We got Mike, we got Shane, we got Max, we got the Mike on Much podcast. Let's have some fun. How's it going, folks? Everybody feeling good? It's a Friday. Wow, it's the first time doing this. Uh, welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman, and I'm here with my friend and trusty producer, Max Kerman. Max, how's it going? Yo, yo, yo. Feeling pretty good. We're also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, what's hello, up? Hello. Thank you. Crowd so, favorite. <laughs> yeah, big time. Anyone who goes last is always the crowd uh, favorite, I find. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll test it again. I'm Mike. This is Shane. And this is Max. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. All right. Proof is in the pudding. Uh, guys, uh, you're here for a pretty, I mean, for us, historic event. We've never done a live podcast. So, you know, the nerves are a little raw. Uh, we're excited to do this, but we're doing it for a very good cause. We are doing this for lupus. Uh, so what you guys did tonight, you bought a ticket to come here. All that money went to Lupus. We've so far raised over $5,000. So you can thank yourselves for that. Yeah. Uh, between the tickets and the uh, I Sang for Lupus Challenge, which we all know uh, Shane created. Uh, Shane, you want to say a few words about that? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, and Lupus uh, Canada is in the house tonight somewhere. So thank you guys for coming out. Leanne. And we're so uh, Leanne, yeah. I feel like I want to see what's going on out here. Uh, so, yeah, we're, uh, we're very grateful to all of you for coming out and, and spending that money. Uh, Maxie, how's it going, man? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, it's really, I, you know, I'm a part of the Arkells, and I have a just great time uh, collaborating with other people. You're supposed to clap when he says Arkells. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, the band tours a lot, and we play like 150, 200 times a year. So I'm used to going out on stage, but this is the first for me to do it in a podcast with two new guys in a live environment. And are Mike, you nervous? I'm, I'm doing all right, but I've been putting up with you the whole week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, because every time I ask you how it's, how you're feeling about the show, you just say, well, I'm anxiety ridden. Yeah. yeah it's it's going to well, be terrible. Well, it's because it's not that you don't do anything. You, you do do a lot. You come up here. <laughs> it's just that you don't really like plan anything. You just come out here and kind of sit and uh, interact with us. I have this dessert, like, PowerPoint thing going on. <laughs> There's so many technical issues with it. It's so long and so potentially boring. That... I hope you guys yeah. are excited for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's been a different role for me because I've had to yeah. sort of... Uh, and, and then, well, well, and then I have anxieties. the rap battle going on. Well, that's a special surprise. Well, that's a big tease. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and I basically just have to bully a man for being slightly overweight the whole time. <laughs> And then I'm going to slap him also. There's a, a part, so. Did you, there was like a murmur in the crowd. Ooh. Yeah. Those of you who've uh, listened to the show, uh, you might have heard the episode where on our annual 12 Pubs of Christmas, the nut uh, viciously attacked Shane uh, during our pub crawl. Did anybody hear that part of the, the narrative? Yeah. Don't clap for that. It's terrible. Cheering? It's yeah. assault. Uh, we're going to show that video tonight. Also. Yeah, you'll see it. You'll see it. And then there will be retribution. Uh, to the nut. But you guys have been on a bit of a press tour because uh, we kind of created this live show idea from the Lupus Challenge uh, kind of out of nowhere. So how has the last week been? Because I haven't been able to do the good. press, but uh, you guys were on the social on CTV. I don't know if anybody yeah. caught that. 
Um, yeah, that was kind of cool practice for this because I was very nervous about this, but then I got nervous for the social, so I kind of forgot about this. <laughs> and then, uh, but they had this awesome hype man. So we, so when all the women come to the social to be in the audience, he there's starts a couple like, men too. Yeah, there was one I think. Yeah, there, that's right. There's one. <laughs> But this hype man, he starts like uh, doing jumping jacks in the moonwalk and like backflips. And he's, for, like, for the audience, the hype man, it's, it's like, who's this random hype man? Yeah. When you have a live studio audience, there's like this guy that comes up and he like warms up the crowd. He makes sure that they're always ready to cheer. You guys might know if you've been to like a live show like that. So this guy literally is like this like little guy, he's like a ginger. And we like came. <laughs> we, like, first of all, we also thought it was a pre-tape. So we didn't know it was live. And we're kind of like. Yeah like okay i guess we're gonna rehearse it and they're like all right so it's live and we were like oh shit we didn't know it was live so we walked out and that's when the, the little fella started going for it <laughs> and uh yeah I was, I was super nervous and then i mentioned i was like oh i have a wife and she's pregnant and then the crowd all went oh <laughs> in unison and then i felt really good and then i was <laughs> and then i was like oh and the, the baby's gonna be born on mother's day and then the crowd was like hoo, 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 hoo. <laughs> So, yeah. so it really built up my confidence. So, Yeah. Yeah, it was a great experience. And it was just uh, doing press all week was kind of funny because they were all very early mornings. And like you said, you weren't around, Max, because you're recording right now. Yeah, actually. it is. Oh, stuff. And uh, yeah. And so it, led the, it left the duties to Shane and I, who were getting up at like 6 in the morning every morning and going to these morning shows. But you almost didn't make it to CP24. Yeah, I, I made it, was, it at the last second. Yeah. yeah, he was like in a cab two minutes before we were going live on that show. And uh, it was something. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of that story. Um, so, yeah, we've had, like, a lot of sort of anxiety leading up to the show. I feel like the three of us sort of embody, like, the different levels where, like, you're completely anxiety-ridden. You've been sort of catatonic all week as you prep. Um, yeah, when I talked to you, I said, how's work going? He's like, I haven't done any work in the last three weeks. I've just <laughs> yeah, been thinking about the show. might be here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and, yeah, and I'm sort of, like, in the middle where it's like, I'm, I'm pretty loose. I'm like, yeah, let's just roll with the punches. But I also want things to go really well. You know, we're going to be talking to Catherine Reitman. And so I want to be very prepped for the interview and feel comfortable. And I feel like you are literally just like in a tanning bed with fucking sunglasses on. <laughs> I'm really good at delegating. Mike D from the band would be like, that's my number one strength. So we're really lucky actually to have an awesome team putting this whole sh uh, show together. Webmaster Dan Carruthers. Yeah. Woo! Webmaster uh, Dan. Manager Ash. And Simon Jane is DJing. Give it up for DJ we have Simon Mark Jane. at the front Woo! of the house. So we got a whole crew here uh, that are making this whole thing run. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Also, because we're at the Rivoli, and I feel like the Rivoli is this really great venue for a lot of reasons. I mean, the kids in the hall got their start here, if anyone here is a kids in the hall fan. Um, and for me, uh, the Rivoli is pretty special because I see my brother in the crowd, and he just made a face. We, uh, we were in a band uh, called, well, it was called the Mike Veerman Band. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't most creative with the band names, <laughs> or I'm an extreme narcissist. Anyway, so we... One of the two. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, our first ever Toronto show when we were really young was here on this very stage, and it was like, I don't know, like 2004, and it was for a battle of the bands, and for like a lot of bands that like want to play in Toronto, that's kind of your only way to get like on a stage is to be a part of one of these battle of the bands that are like kind of... They're rigged. They're like, they're basically a scam. I'm sure you played some of these. Of course, things. yeah. You, you have to like, you have to sell like 100 tickets and you can play. And we're like, okay, we're begging our family and friends. 
So, but for us, it was like our first big show. So we're like, man, like, what are we going to wear? And I remember I had this like sweet, like American Eagle sweater that was probably like <laughs> a size too big. And so like I wore that. I'm like, oh man, this is going to slay. And like my brother wore like this <laughs> oversized like Nike swoosh with like his like high school baseball hat. Which is back in now. I, I know. If we played now, it actually would kill. So, uh, and our drummer, uh, Ted, um, so whenever we would rehearse, he would always rehearse like shirtless. And his idol was Travis Barker from Blink-92. And he, uh, so for the show, we were like, Teddy, you have to be shirtless. This is like our big Toronto debut. You have to like play without the shirt. But Ted's like this really modest guy. And he comes from like a, a religious family. So he's like, oh, no, there's like going to be people out there. And I don't want to take my shirt off. And I just remember my brother, like literally back behind that wall, getting very manipulative. And he was like, Ted, he's like, who's your favorite drummer? And he's like, it's Travis Barker. And he's like, does Travis Barker wear a shirt? <laughs> and Ted's like, no, no, he doesn't. <laughs> and I'm just waiting, and it's like two minutes to go on. And sure enough, we walk out, and Teddy was not wearing a shirt. And we played, and it was great. And we moved on. We actually won that night because we brought out a big crowd. Yeah, but then there was a week later, and we had to go to the next round uh, down the street at the Reverb. And um, what you don't realize is, like, the competition gets, like, a lot better and, like, American Eagle sweaters aren't going to really do it. But we were feeling really confident. And I just remember walking in and we were kind of watching the band before us. And they like had like fucking choreographed like dance moves. And they really worked on their music. Not that we didn't. No, we really didn't. And, uh, and I just remember like watching them kill it. And they brought like a bus full of people. And the three of us are just standing there. And I was like, we are fucked. And like Ted puts his shirt back on, you know, he was all ready. And uh, so anyway, the, the reason I love the Rivoli is because for me, there was a magical night there where we won a, won a first round of the Battle of Bands. So and thank now we're back. And we're back Woo! on the stage. And later you'll be taking your shirt off. Yeah, that, yeah, that okay, was the cool. deal. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I love this podcast so much is uh, I, I love radio. And ever since I was a kid, I loved listening to the radio and hearing funny people talk. And I found the, the two funniest people that I know to let me hang out with them and make our own podcast. Um, and I was... Uh, Aww. <laughs> Aww, yeah. And um, there was a show on... I don't know if anybody grew up in the GTA in the 90s, but Kiss 92 was a huge station. Uh, and there was a guy named Darren Jones. Um, oh, yeah. Who, uh, who had the morning show, and then he had a Sunday night show, which was just him. The Buzz. The bu well, yeah. he had a Sunday night television show called The Buzz, yeah. and, but he had a radio show. Oh, okay. And I taped, I always taped the, the Buzz, but I also taped the radio show, like on my cassette radio, and then I'd listen to it all week long, and then on Sunday nights, I'd listen, and the new episode would come. So um, I, for a project in grade 10, I uh, emailed him, because he lived in the neighborhood where I grew up, which is just up the street, and uh, asking uh, if I could interview him for a class. So I pulled up uh, the email. I managed to get into my old Yahoo account last night. <laughs> I found the, I remember the password. And then I was, and I was telling Lauren, my girlfriend, I was like, Lauren, I, you got to check with this email that I wrote Darren Jones back in 2002. And she's like, hold on a second. You can get into your old email account. I was, she was like, I need to see everything you wrote to your high school girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, I'm definitely not going to show you that. And then we had a fight. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, like I, the thing is like I'm, I don't really I think fondly about the past but I don't think too hard about it because if I were to think too hard about it I'd really just be full of like awkward cringes and so yeah. I don't want to read any of that stuff I don't but, ever want anyone to have access to my Hotmail account no it's just never like, no yeah I tried to get in the Hotmail and I got booted out of that one but um, <laughs> so I'm just going to read you some email correspondence uh, 
with uh, Darren Jones and I. So my name is Max Kerman. I'm in grade 10. At, uh, I'm a grade 10 high school student at Harvard Collegiate. For class, we have an, uh, to do an interview with a professional from a field of work that might interest the student for a possible career. <laughs> I'm not sure what I want to do for a living, but being on the radio is something I'm looking into. <laughs> um, Exploring your options. Also, I, I, I remember, I vaguely remember writing this, and it was like, I was taking this email very seriously. This is like <laughs> the most professional, Max. Uh, I've listened to the Darren Jones radio show all the time when you were on Kiss, and I always watch the buzz. You're the funniest guy in the world. I've said hi to you in the neighborhood a few times. So... Th- uh, <laughs> Uh, so uh, I thought it might be possible uh, to uh, do an interview with you. If you could, if you could do this, that would be great. If you don't have the time, please email me back anyways to let me know. <laughs> Thanks for your time. So he gets back to me. Hey, Max, sorry it's taking so long to get back to you. I'd love to help for your class, but I'm going overseas for 10 days. I'll be back on the week of the 15th. So I guess I must have been bugging him. Okay, I was bugging him. <laughs> hey, Darren, I hope you had a real good time overseas and everything went well. <laughs> I emailed you three weeks ago, but there might have been a problem with my email. You know that one? So you might have not received the message. I'm writing to see if you can set a date for my interview for a school project. I know you have a busy schedule, but just tell me what time is good for you. I've seen you around the neighborhood. Uh, so it would be again? great. You told him again. I told him again. <laughs> I've seen you again while I was following you. So, so it'd be great. So it'd be good to do the interview over a slice of pizza. <laughs> Get back to me when it's a good time. So he gets back. Hey, dude, Monday. San- so, <laughs> hey, dude. <laughs> so I'm sort of. Uh, there's a lot of emails back and forth. Yeah, so I'm yeah. just getting into the good stuff. Um, oh my god. So we we figure out a time place. Monday sounds good. The Rivoli, east of Spadina, on Queen. Meet me there. Just walk through the back. <laughs> just walk through the back to the bar and go through the doors. Just the ones right here. If anyone hassles you, say you're doing an interview, and if that doesn't work, ask for Zoe. So, hey, Darren, that sounds like a good time for me. Uh, but I don't know if I get in that club. I'm only 16. And by the way, the, the, uh, like, the band will sometimes get fan letters from like, very persistent teenagers like this. And reading my own email, I have to be a little more patient moving forward. Uh, if so, do you want to meet somewhere around there beforehand? The interview will only take 15 minutes at the most if you're in a rush. There's a fine McDonald's at Queen and Spadina. <laughs> And I happen to know you like Big Macs with extra sauce and no pickles. Um, anyway, so, we, so I came here, and the interview was great. And it's on, I think we filmed it, but I don't know where it is. But um, I remember was, uh, just really being appreciative that Darren Jones uh, gave me his time and got right back to me. And, uh, and I didn't think about it until the other night, but that was probably one of the reasons why we're doing this pod. But anyway, so, uh, hey, Darren. So I followed up because... Um, <laughs> That's what a professional man does. You follow up. Uh, hey, Darren, Max here, your interviewer. LOL. Uh, I got my mark for the project from the interview. It was worth 30% of the year's marks. I got 28 out of 30. That boosted my mark from a 73 to an 80. Thank you. Like he was genuinely concerned. Yeah. <laughs> an 80. Mm. Okay. The summer has come. Uh, <laughs> I've fallen in love, Darren. <laughs> These letters will soon stop, but I just wanted you to know I'm happy. And I was wondering if you have uh, started to do any shooting for the buzz. This weekend and next, I'm very busy. But if you, d- if you do anything during the week, I'd love to help out. I was planning to work at a baseball camp with the city, but with the city worker strike happening, it looks like right now I'm out of a job. <laughs> so, so let me know when you... Uh, when you'll be doing any segments for the show. Thanks, Max. 
P.S. I'm giving your email address to my friend David. <laughs> he lives on Brunswick, right down the street. He's a big fan of yours and just wants to say hi and congratulate you on all your accomplishments. He will not send any junk mail. Don't worry. LOL. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. thank you, Darren Jones. That's why you're successful, though. Yeah. I'm optimistic. Yeah. I'm serious. I'm optimistic and serious. You're, you're persistent and optimistic. Yeah. I remember we were, uh, this kind of speaks to you, we were, we were thinking about doing like a sports show sort of thing, so we did a demo and we gave it to like this big radio guy at Bell Media, and he didn't get back to us for like weeks, and we were meeting up for another pod, and Shaney was like, hey, what do you think's going on with that, uh, that radio show? Max's like, I don't know, I guess uh, we should follow up. And Shane's like, yeah, he probably just didn't like it. Max's like, I don't think that would be the reason. <laughs> like it never occurred like, to just, I'm, I was just like, I'm sure he loves it. <laughs> I was like, he's just probably super busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then you wrote him 15 emails. Yeah, and, yeah. I was selling her back. So. Yeah. Shaney, do, do you have any Rivoli uh, stories? Uh, no. I, <laughs> I don't usually talk much off the top, but um, <laughs> I was in a band called Crocodile Mile. It was a rap group. Hey! And there's two members right there. That's Sean Menard. He was one of the lead vocalists. Or rappers. And then Greg was the drummer. We had a drummer in the band. That's, that's my brother, Greg Veerman. Yeah. If you listen to the show, you've probably heard him as Australian Greg yeah. uh, on the way to Detroit for Max's birthday. But we played Cameron House down the street. That was one of our you shows. played the Cameron House. Yeah, that was the last the show we Cameron ever House. played, actually. That was the final Croc Mile show. It was. Right. Want to hiss with some of them, some of them rhymes? No, they're not acceptable now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different time. It was. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> they're laughing the hardest. All right. So, uh, Max, yeah. should we move? You're the producer. Let's should get we keep to it. moving? Yeah. Guys, are you feeling all right so far? What's the deal? I don't know. We're trying to. We don't normally need to take like uh, a temperature check. It's just the three of us in a room. I'm feeling good. Are you feeling real good? Oh, yeah. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, our next guest is someone we are very, very lucky to have. Um, you have probably uh, seen her on CBC's Working Moms. You guys watch that show? Yeah. It's on 9:30 on CBC. Nominated for five. Canadian Screen, Screen Awards. Awards. Yeah, big deal. Give it a big Give it huge up. accomplishment. Shit's happening. So, you know what? We're actually uh, just going to bring her out, everybody. So please give her a huge round of applause. We're so happy. Our first ever guest on our live podcast, Catherine Reitman, everybody. How's it going? It's good. How are you guys doing? We're great. You, everyone's feeling good up here. I'm We're like just, a million yeah. bucks. It's great. <laughs> so confident. So much swagger. Yeah. The story killed. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that saga backstage? All the letters he was sending? I did. I yeah. did. A, a lot of action, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, I got to be careful, though, because a lot of times when I'm telling stories about our friends, because um, that's a lot of the, the open of the show is just talking about sort of the, our friends from in Hamilton and our girlfriends and like every week I'm in the middle of one big group message of people screaming at me for revealing information that you're I always getting know. in trouble all the time like so how do you get out of it <laughs> I just try to change the subject nice, nice. Yeah, it's one of those sure sure yeah <laughs> it's a good plan um so yeah let's just start into this thing like normally when we do these interviews it's far more intimate it's just like me and the subject sometimes Max will be there right we got this whole crowd here now it's so weird now 
<laughs> we've, we've made it weird. Uh, but thank you for being here. And I guess we wanted to start again, like on our show, we like to get into the minutia of how creatives do their work. Right on. You heard, yeah, there you go. Yeah, minutia. The merch should have said that. Um, but so anyway, you are the showrunner. You're the creator. You're the showrunner. You're the star of Working Moms. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, my question would be, for people that don't know, what does a showrunner do? What is that job? Oh, it's a great question. So a showrunner, like uh, on a film, for instance, the director would have total creative control, while on a television series, the showrunner actually trumps. Can we still say trumps? No, <laughs> not up here. It's not dead, in right? We don't say boo. Yeah, uh, Canada. Um, <laughs> yeah, on a TV series, the showrunner has total creative control. So it really starts in the writer's room, where I'm the head writer. And I'm surrounded, the irony is I'm surrounded by writers who are far more talented than I am. And then by the time you get into pre-production, you're sort of, the showrunner is saying, you know, no to that color and yes to this sort of set. And, you know, we really wanted to feature Toronto for Toronto, not be stuck in a bunch of studios and really, you know, show the locations. Um, And then through production, you know, the showrunner gets to actually trump directors (laughs) you have final say we do we can say to a director i love what you're doing but it's it's not right (laughs) um which you know you you don't do a lot but you can sort of step in and go especially because you've been in the writer's room you can say you know this this moment's it's not coming through because of this or whatever it is luckily i'm surrounded again by really really talented directors and then through post i also have a husband who's here tonight philip yeah, he's up for the stars on the show. He's also on the show, yeah. That's right, he plays Nathan, my husband, for those of you who watch the show. And uh, he is, I always say his magic makes my magic more potent. Like, he just has, he has such incredible instincts and eyes. And to do all the different things I do on the show, I, I require someone like him who, at the end of the day, really, you know, he's the spine of it. He keeps it going. Is it difficult to be in a professional relationship and a personal relationship? Not at all. Next question. <laughs> Just keep it moving. Philip's good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's right. tough, right? It's tough. I mean, for those of you who uh, work with your loved one, whether it's a family member or a friend or a husband or a girlfriend, whatever it is, it's complicated. It's hard because you go home, especially when you parent together, and you're trying to, you know, he witnesses my lowest moments, but he also witnesses my wins. <laughs> so it, it's... It's hard to get in bed and not bring up the shit that happened. It's hard to like not get in bed and be like, "Hey, you know that moment where I failed? I could see I could see it in your eyes that you knew." <laughs> you know, like you got to push it out the door and be boyfriend and girlfriend at the end of the day, which is why he comes to this podcast to support me. D- does it feel different though since the show started because have you always worked that, this closely together? It's a different level. I mean, we've never run a, a series on a, you know, coming on our we're airing our second season right now, so it's it's higher stakes. Sure. And uh, we've, you know, we've started a production company here in Canada, so we're trying to make more things together. So there's more pressure, but there's also a, there's a divide and conquer thing, which we've never had before. Uh. There's a trust where I can be like, yo, you go cover that. I got this. Like today. Like Jay-Z and Beyonce kind of thing. Fully. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, no, it's, it's hard to be Jay-Z, but one of us has to. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, with show running and, you know, I was watching your Ted talks and you talk about, you know, uh, challenging yourself and giving something to try, even if it seems it's going to be difficult or you could potentially fail and pushing through that, you know, I guess because you were show running for the first time, it was the first time you were sort of the boss applesauce and, and running your own ship. What did you learn in that first season? You know, what was the most challenging thing? I guess it would be the question. 
Oh, God, so many things. I'm still learning so many things. I still fail so much. Mm. I failed today. I fail all the time. It's okay to fail, right? What'd you fail at today? Um, what did I fail at today? <laughs> I failed at, I watched, um, I was watching an episode that's actually a really, really good episode. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Um, it's in three weeks, Phil? Two weeks? Episode five. And um, it's really a magical episode. And there was the smallest moment as an actor that I saw that felt, um, I don't know, I, I felt like I didn't tap it right. You know, it's the kind of sure. thing that, um, and I have to be careful about my diva moments as an actor. Yeah. I have to get over my fucking face and my mouth and all my weirdness, and I just have to watch it in the cut and go, okay, this is better for that moment. And Phil's witnessed, I'll often be like, you know, is, is there a better take of this? And everyone's in the room like, why? That's it, that's it. And I have to get over my ego and go, no, that's it. But then you sometimes watch the whole episode when the network's passed on it and, or sorry, the network has okayed it and we're doing the sound mix and it's very late in the game and I'm like, I shouldn't have let them use that take. <laughs> you know, you still have that little voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Before Working Moms, going back a bit, uh, you were in the Groundlings yeah. and for those of you who don't know, it's like a second city or, you know, it's like a, it's a comedy troupe, improv troupe. Yeah, it's one of the main feeders to like Saturday Night Live. Sure, like Will Ferrell and Will Forte were members yep. of the company. Um, I'm always fascinated in like the working dynamic in one of those troops because I don't know if you ever saw that film by Mike Birbiglia, Don't Think Twice. Of course. It's yeah. a fantastic movie. So great. I love that movie. You guys have to see that movie. Yeah. And if you've, li you've listened to the episode with Mike Birbiglia, he talks a lot about it. They know. Anyway. So they, right. maybe they don't know. I All don't right. know. But uh, it's a great movie because I think it really explores the dynamic of working in a group, but as other people sort of become successful and elevated, you're happy for your friends. But there's also this competitive kind of like, ah, shit, like, where's my turn? Or it's like, it's the battle of being happy for your friend's success, but also sort of being like full of envy and wanting your turn. How did you find that dynamic within the troop that you were in? Well, for me, it was easy because I failed <laughs> right out the gates. I hadn't had the success of the show and my acting career was at a really low point at the moment, but it was, it was phenomenal for me. Um, just to clarify, I wasn't a groundling. I was in their Sunday company, which was like their JV troop that we put on, I thought it was more challenging than the, the Groundlings in some ways because we didn't have the sort of best of show that we put on every Friday and Saturday. We'd have to actually make, similar to SNL, a new show every single week. So every Sunday, we'd do an entirely new group of sketches and a couple improv scenes. And I was really young. I was like 21 years old. Um, I happened to be like madly in love with, my boyfriend was in it too. And I just remember it was the first time anyone said that I, I was allowed to write. You know, because you're also learning my, uh, all my writing talent, anything I would ever think was good instinctually for me came out of improv. It's something I feel very confident in. And writing came much later. I'm still gaining my confidence as a writer. And in the Groundlings, there's this great environment where uh, you just keep yes-anding. So let's say you, you write something terrible. On the day, you could sort of perform it out. You could read it out with your, your partner. And if it bombs, someone will shout... Like, new choice, try something else. And right there on the spot, you're like, yeah, all right, a closet. And, you know, they go crazy because closets always go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you have this, there's this, like, no-fail environment where everyone... So it's funny, because even though Don't Think Twice is true, because if you're competing for something like SNL, there's only so many spots, the real nature, I think, of an improv troupe is highly collaborative and some of the most supportive environment I've ever been in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The, um, you know, you've also been in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 
blackish. Um, but you talked in your TED Talks about, you know, the, the difficulty in being an actor and hearing no so much, right? It's sort of this exercise in rejection in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I guess, how do you deal with that at that point before you, you know, had all the success of working moms? And like, yeah, like it's like, I guess the idea of like hearing that, feeling that way. And did you ever think about maybe like leaving entertainment? Was there ever like, oh, I'll do something else? Or was it always, this is going to be it. I'm going to make this happen. Oh my God, I wish. I never thought about quitting because I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> Um, but that's the truth. Um, there was a, there was a while there where I thought, okay, I'm just going to probably be a mom eventually. And that's okay. I love, I think, I think I'll love that. And, you know, I'll, I'll be able to connect and improvise in a different way. Right. With my children. Um, and then, but I knew once I started writing at the groundlings that I had the safety net, even if I wasn't good at it, that I could try to write something and, and put it up on YouTube so I did this YouTube show for two years, which was a movie review show. And it was really fun because I just got this outlet. I mean, we just worked our, our balls off and every week we'd put up a show where it was me in a green screen, you know, really improvising like crazy talking about a movie I just saw in usually a really stupid way. But looking back on it, it was like this way for me to sit down and watch it every day, every week and go, okay, so that sucks. That's pretty good. And like, this is what I should be doing. I should be doing something like this. But what's the longevity of this platform? Every week I go on and there's all these comments with all these angry trolls just ripping me <laughs> apart. Like this, and, you know, sure, they still do that. But now I'm not as close to it. You know, I've, I've had a chance to sort of, it, when you get a little more confidence from it, you take a step away, I think. Yeah. Well, and like, I think it's also great. Like when you start to see success, like I said, I can't go to Union Station without seeing working moms literally plastered everywhere. Sorry about that. No, I, it's great. And it's such a great show that it's like, it's nice to see it everywhere and getting the support that it needs. Thank you. And so like looking back on those and experiences. Thank you, CBC, if you're listening. CBC. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, another thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit is that you come from a, you know, a very sort of well-known entertainment family. I do. You do. Your mother's an actress. You know, your father's Ivan Reitman, your brother's Jason Reitman. Um, you've had all the success now with working moms. But I think it's always fascinating. Max and I were talking about this. You know, in a family like that growing up, what's a conversation like at dinner? Is it just like movies and shit? Or is it more normal than we might think? Uh, there's a lot of analyzing how the meat was cooked. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, no, I mean, I'm, it's funny. Like, you know, being married to someone whose family wasn't in the entertainment industry, I've had this like great perspective shift because I grew up where we did talk about what did you like about that movie? Articulate yourself. You know, my, both my parents were incredibly supportive and I mean, they pushed us of course to go after our dreams and after our education, but, and they're here tonight. Hi guys. Give it up. Um, but there was, yeah, you know, when you go outside of that to your friends or to my husband's family where, you know, they, they don't talk about it in the same way. There's, le there's less knowledge about the details and actually that it's such grunt work. I mean, if, you've, if you know anything about production, you know that it's, it's just a fuckload of work. It's, <laughs> it's tiring and, and endless. And it, it, it's not as magical as it is when you sit down in the theater or, you know, you cozy up and watch Netflix. So we get to talk about the work behind it and how they accomplished it in a different way. 
which was that that part was always very special for me because it it made me very prepared for how much work this actually would be. Yeah. Well, getting back to working moms, like you said, you guys are on CBC. Now, the show has swearing. It has nudity. It almost feels like you could be on like an HBO or a Showtime more so than the CBC. Uh, was the, like, what are the conversations like that look like with the CBC? Are they like, cool, like, let's fucking roll? Or are they like, <laughs> I, I, that's how I picture the CBC talking. Let's Pulling. fucking do this! Like let's smoking do a dude. Like, whatever, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's the CBC, man. Everyone's got their dick out. Yeah. <laughs> Just full fucking like, whatever, man. Uh, no, not quite. I mean, look, we made the sizzle. When we made the sizzle for working moms, we knew the tone we wanted to accomplish. We knew we wanted to go there. Um... And when Sally Caddo, who's responsible for it at the CBC, you know, whatever you may have been raised on watching the CBC, this woman came in and really shook things up. I really credit her for some of your favorite shows on the CBC. It's because of her, mine especially. Um, so when, when I sat down with her, I said, look, I think the show, you know, I would love to be able to swear on it. I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's important, especially because we have the word moms in our title, that we see moms in a really real way. <laughs> that we showcase them in an authentic way where they are swearing, where they're not perfect. It's not broad. There's not diapers full of shit being thrown at the wall, but that they, they're flawed and they say fuck. And, and yes, I would love to show their breasts, not while they're getting banged from behind by a dragon. <laughs> CBC passed on that show. Season three. <laughs> Nothing but dragons and doggy style. Dragon style. Um, <laughs> No, but breast in a really human way, right? That what our bodies go through. Are there any moms out here in the crowd tonight? So, you know, I mean, it's... I was a little underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is Can we no. Just say, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you guys got sitters. Can I hear it? Yeah. All right. Look, any dads in the crowd tonight? Dads? All right, all right. Male entitlement, am I right? <laughs> But yeah, look, what happens to our bodies when we become mothers is just atrocious. Um, and so... Now the, there's not going to be any more mothers in this crowd <laughs> after that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Except for the women in this house. <laughs> so tight. Uh, yes, I think, I think showing what happens to women in an honest way was important to us. That we weren't being sexualized or objectified, but that we could just speak candidly in the first five seconds of the pilot was, uh, was what I put on the table. And, and they said yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'll pander for applause. I don't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the other cool things about Working as Mom is it's, it's obviously you created it, so it's created by a female. Uh, showrunner's a female. The writer's room is all female. Correct. Goddamn right. Is, is uh, Philip allowed in? Sorry? To the writer's room? Is your husband allowed in? Only to bring me flowers and food. <laughs> oh! No, Philip's allowed in. He's always the one being like, what are you guys doing? All right. All right, carry on. <laughs> like looking through the window. What are you working on? That's right. Um, yeah, uh, you have a female DOP? I do, yes. Maya Bankovic. CSA nominated Maya Bankovic. And, and Got a I'll, Max connection here. I'll note that Maya Bankovic also did uh, the Kiss Cam and On Paper Arkell's videos, so we had that connection in mind. That's very cool. Um, and yeah, and like, so, I mean, it's... it's. If it, she's listening, she's just the most magical creature. Yeah, she's amazing, wickedly talented. And uh, when I found out that she was on the show, I was so happy for her because uh, it was her first uh, gig network as a show. on a network totally, show. Totally, yeah. yeah. I loved in your TED Talks when you said, you know, I, I hire females and even if their resume doesn't justify it because it will give them a chance to sort of 
show where they are and you need to start somewhere. Well, it's the only way to change the structure, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, look, I've, I've, yet to, I've yet to make any sacrifices from it. I think it's been a hugely rewarding experience, largely for me. Um, but someone like Maya Vankovic, who had only done um, extraordinary music videos, but also indie films and not a lot of, you know, uh, bigger budget network shows. She came, you know, her stuff came across my desk and I thought this chick's amazing. Um, and it was a no brainer. I met her and now she is the only woman I would uh, try some stuff with. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm open minded. Hey, Dad. <laughs> I didn't think this through. I shouldn't have invited them. <laughs> when you, uh, so, I mean, getting back to the minutiae, when you're breaking a story, how does that sort of, uh, you know, go from beginning to end? Do you come in and you go, hey, this happened to me or this happened to someone I know and I want to talk about this, so let's all construct it together? It's funny. It changed a lot. In season one, it was just that. It was season one, it was like, you know, I fantasized about driving my car like right into traffic today and it was like joyous. <laughs> and... There'd be a few chicks who were like, I'm so sorry. And then there was like one woman who's like, yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And you start like flowing on that. And before you know it, you're like, doesn't that sort of sound like a fantasy? Being like trapped in a nice hospital and things being brought to you and <laughs> sure. like no responsibilities and deadlines sort of, oh, don't you hear? She's in a hospital. She can. <laughs> and like, so that's sort of like, you know, in season one, it was a lot of that. It was like me telling a as honest as I could be, something that happened to me, dark, bright, whatever, and us flushing it out. Season two, we went a little further, and uh, a lot of other people in the room would bring, you know, like, when I was a kid, my parents went on vacation, and I found a, a picture of my mom with another man, and they were both in wedding attire. Wow. You know, like, that kind of shit where you're like, that's a great story. What's yeah. that about? And then we sort of build, and I think that writer is here today. Silent. Um, <laughs> great crowd. It's a great crowd you guys get. Um, it's our first time. Listen, you did great. Everything's going great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, and then I try to improvise. Once we get into, the, okay, so here's the structure of the scene. Uh, we're sending Anne into this abortion clinic. Um, we're going to bring Kate, but Kate's got her baby because she's stuck with the baby. What, what kind of con funny conversations could happen? And you go into, you know, the baby's being a dream and Kate being embarrassed because her her child's being actually well-behaved in an abortion clinic. Exactly, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Totally. Um, <laughs> totally. Been there. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, I can relate. Uh, um, <laughs> you like, get it. Yeah, like Max uh, said, uh, we talked to your DOP, Maya. And uh, do you want to take this one, Maxie boy? What's well, happening? I just wanted some dirt on the show. So I texted Maya today. and uh, Dirty dog. She says you're hilarious and lovely to work with. But she said that you invited a psychic to the set to give readings to the cast and I crew. I did, I did. She's a very unorthodox uh, showrunner This move. is the dirt. She, this is classic Maya dirt. Uh, well, She's like, she brought donuts for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Brace yourself. What's the, so what was the impetus of that? Uh, ironically, every Friday we have Food Truck Friday because we're a great job. And uh, one Friday we had sort of blown through like pizza trucks and everything. I'm like, what can we bring that will be like really fun? And so we got a little tent and we brought a psychic. And the irony is like, it was the worst decision ever as a showrunner because everyone's in there for like 10 to 15 minutes of pop. <laughs> no work gets done. No, nothing's getting done. And they're coming out crying and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I got this, you know, I got this crazy day. I'm trying to get everyone home to see their kids at a decent hour. And I've just got like, you know, 
my lighting guy coming out of the tent being like, I shouldn't have taken this job. <laughs> she said to go to Germany. <laughs> you know, like, everyone's got, you know, their own direction. So it was, it was not a great call. <laughs> Okay, uh, Shane's got some questions now. Uh, as a, well, we should preface this. I mean, as you listeners know, uh, Shane's going to be a father very soon. Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> so, I'm going to be a dad. Look how underwhelmed he is. <laughs> well, I knew for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to be a dad in three months, right? <laughs> Thanks again. <laughs> And I was just wondering, uh, what is it like to be a dad? <laughs> That's the uh, first question. Where do I start? <laughs> no, I know you're not a dad, but you know, like, your husband's a dad. No, I feel like this is for you, not for me. Um, Get up here. <laughs> I think becoming a parent in general. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right. If sure, you want to go that your way. <laughs> Uh, is it's an exercise in uh, discipline. Mm -hmm. I don't know how self-disciplined you are. I'm, I, I wasn't. <laughs> Not so much. But it's also like, I think the biggest shock that no one prepares you for, because you sort of, mm -hmm. you hear all the nightmare stories, you've seen enough movies and TV shows. Um, but I think it's, there's an identity shift that happens that I wasn't prepared for. I had an identity crisis with both kids. And it's not just, I mean, your wife will experience hormonal change. And I would argue that men do too. The same way that, you know how they say like men have periods, but there's like no proof. I feel like there's a <laughs> hormonal thing that happens. There's a cycle. There's got to be some kind of cycle where you're experiencing, whether it be exhaustion or lack of nutrients or whatever it is, you're going to experience some change and you're going to feel like you have to be selfless in a way you've never been expected to. So uh, it's fun. Cool. <laughs> Can I ask another question? Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of a contentious issue between my wife and I. Good. So um, when our daughter grows up, she wants to pick... You're having a girl? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dicks out! <laughs> but when she... Hi, Dad. <laughs> When she gets to college age, I guess my wife wants to pay for her to go to college, and I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, because I think, like, you know, it'll cut into our retirement fund. And, and my parents didn't, you know, do that for me. And, you know, Alex and I don't have that, like, Ghostbuster money. So I, 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 <laughs> I was just wondering. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. No, but if you were in my position, <laughs> like, just so you can imagine that, um, what would you do? Like, I'll, I will, first of all, make Ghostbusters, like, too sweet. <laughs> uh, that seems like a no-brainer. Um, I, I think the irony of this question is that, like, this is some luxurious, I don't have kids yet fight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Like, this doesn't feel like a reasonable place. To, I mean, sure, talk about it, you know, f uh, get crazy. But I feel like <laughs> you're going to have this kid, you're going to have this beautiful little girl, and you're going to be like, fuck. And you're just going to stop and think, like, where do we get, what are we doing for dinner right now? <laughs> like, college is going to be so far away all of a sudden, and you're just going to be like, is my insurance good enough? You're just going to be thinking about what to do this weekend. So I would just... Keep doing this podcast, kid. It's it's right. it's paying bills for show. <laughs> yeah. You know it. Um, but you know, 
focus on the day-to-day, mm-hmm. man. You got to figure out who she is. Maybe she might not be the college type. She might okay. be a real travel Europe type. You know, you don't know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do not pay for that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> that was not helpful. I, I, I would just say, uh, you know, and listen to your wife. She's probably, right now, how many months pregnant is she? Six. Stop looking over there. <laughs> is she over there? She's right there. Hi. Stand up, Alex. <laughs> he talks yeah. about you on the pod, yeah. Rub your belly. Oh, she's... <laughs> Show us your belly. Tiny and gorgeous and not showing at all. Good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I Right now, she's going through some stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know, yeah. Let her just let her win. <laughs> yeah. I would say... We got into she... a fight before this show, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, look... Next dessert, yeah. She'll do that even more once she has the kid. Don't worry about it. All right. But right now, let her, let her win that fight. Mm-hmm. And then later, once you discover who this girl is, then you can talk more reasonably about university. Is that a fair answer? Yeah. That's a fair answer. The wife agrees. Yeah, yeah. Standing O from Alex over there. Can I ask one more question? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Custom okay. midnight, we're all still here. So everyone always says, uh, you know, you love the kids equally. You have two kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've it... got a favorite for sure. <laughs> you do, right? <laughs> they don't listen to podcasts, so it's right. fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not yet. But is that a thing, though, Not for yet. real? Like, do you actually have a favorite? I have the same question for Ivan. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, goddammit. <laughs> you know how to answer that. That's right, I'm totally the favorite. Um, no, I think, uh, I, I think I do, for sure. I, I think, I don't, I'm not sure it's the same as my husband's favorite. Right. Um, I just have one that's more like low maintenance right now. Right. So that's my favorite. <laughs> that's awesome. But they're both really special in their own way. Cool. One's just like a little more special. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, thank you so, so much for your time. You are amazing. Everybody, give Catherine a big round of applause. Thank you so much. You guys recognize this track every time you go to the dessert? I should do it like the podcast. Welcome to the dessert. We are here with our pop culture for some... Uh, so most of you who listen to the pod know exactly what the dessert is, but for those of you who don't know, uh, the dessert is essentially, you know, when we were deciding to do this podcast. Well, we, we thought we'd have Shane on to review movies. That's how we got the title, Pop Culture Aficionado, but he's never once fucking talked about a movie or music. <laughs> I reviewed the Backstreet Boys documentary. You did do that, actually. Uh, so, so that was the impetus for it, and then, like, on the very first episode, he just came on and talked about some disastrous Tinder date or whatever it was, and we were like, it was so funny, we laughed so hard, we were just like, he can do whatever he wants. So we're like, what are you reviewing this week, Shane? And he'd be like, well, I watched this movie, but then this thing happened to me. Uh, and then, so at that point, we, at some point, just stopped asking him what movie he watched or what music he listened to. Yeah, we were concerned that, uh, you know, once he got married, the good stories would slow down. And he used to just wait for the divorce, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, he didn't say that. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he actually did he say, did that. say yeah, that. that. It was one of his better jokes. Uh, I did say that. <laughs> Take it away. <clears throat> okay. Um, normally, I don't do this in front of a live studio audience. Uh, that's, I, I know that's obvious. But I do it in front of Mike and Max and... I edit out all the bad parts. So I was terrified when I had to do it in front of you guys, and you'd actually see behind the curtain of how bad these things actually go. <laughs> so to try to break up the monotony a little bit, I added a visual component, which is a PowerPoint. <laughs> but 
I've never oh, clap for me, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I've never done a PowerPoint presentation before either. But <laughs> that's true. This week has been a nightmare. Yeah. But Max has this thing about him where he says everything's going to be great. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm having a panic attack. Max, this is going to go horrible. He goes, no, it's going to be great. <laughs> and then we got here and the PowerPoint did not work at all. The computer was too slow. So now I have this text, tech expert with me. And that's what I am. Yes. <laughs> we flew him in from Germany just for the game. His name is Felix. He's from Germany. And he also did all that great merch packs there yes, that you see. Give it for Felix. So instead of me hitting the space bar like 18 times to get the next slide going, somehow he's going to figure out how to do it when I touch his shoulder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, right. so you guys know, we, Max and I have like every dessert and we, you know, like we've said before, save it for the pod. Like the three of us used to talk all the time about what's going on in our lives. We, we're now like, no, 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 don't tell me save it for the pod. It's great for the pod, but it's ruined our friendships. Yeah. Uh, we don't know what the fuck Shane's going to show us right now. We have no idea. We do have members of the Bell Media legal team here, though. Um, you'll have to sign some waivers, probably. Okay, well, speaking of Bell, <laughs> as some of you may or may not know, I work for Bell Media. And for my... Wow. <laughs> that got a... He got a woo! And for my tenure... The words tenure appear on the screen. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Decade of the company. For my 10-year anniversary, they gave me a gift. And some of you may or may not know what that gift was. And it was the Cobra HD Adventure Cam. A picture of the Cobra HD Adventure Cam is shown. <laughs> so that's what it looks like. And it, it kind of looks like a GoPro. So I was actually very excited about this gift. Uh, my wife, Alex, is pregnant. And I thought I would use this camera to document her pregnancy and maybe even use it to film the child's birth and our daughter growing up. And it was going to be, aw. <laughs> and it, it was going to be kind of like our family camera. Because anytime Alex and I go to film any precious moment, our iPhones are always out of storage. So it, it seemed to make sense. So we were fairly excited about it until we actually saw the quality of this camera. <laughs> I cannot believe that a media company would give this camera to someone who directs commercials for a living. <laughs> so I'm going to show you my wife's reaction after she saw the quality of the footage on our computer that I filmed with the shitty fucking Cobra <laughs> HD cam. No, this camera is so bad that in this day and age, for $100, you wouldn't buy a camera like this. You just find a serious... <laughs> take, take two. This camera is so terrible that you wouldn't buy something like this. It's something that you find in, like, a cereal box for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what is that yellow tinge film covering the screen? Like, that's crazy. Uh, Max made a joke uh, that HD stood for a huge dump for the Cobra cam. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> no, I actually said that, but okay. I want... <laughs> you needed a win. <laughs> so, I talked about this on the pod, and then we had this idea that I should make a documentary and send it to the people at Cobra. 
and Max actually did have this idea. He said I should uh, get in touch with the CEO of Cobra and interview him using the Cobra cam and then put it in the documentary. So I'm a big fan of Nathan Fielder, and this seemed like a very Nathan Fielder-esque thing to do. So I got very excited about this idea, and I said, I'm going to do it. I just need to make the documentary good, because the only thing I really want to not be good is the quality of this footage. (laughs) So I thought, what is a compelling subject? The Champagne Boys. (laughs) And I thought I would... A little context for people who don't know. All right. Yeah, well, so that, so if you listen to the pod, uh, we have, like, a group of guys that are very near and dear to our heart. I think there's, like, is anyone in there? Who here is from the Champagne Boys in the room right now? There's a couple dudes. Yeah, a couple dudes. They're, they will be shirtless later at, at the party after this. Uh, but, again, like, we called ourselves that ironically because we got really drunk one day. There was, like, a Raptors 1 o'clock playoff game, and then everybody was annihilated by three, and someone had a bottle of champagne, and my brother and Julian were like, we're the Champagne Boys. <laughs> And then for some reason that stuck. So it's really just the, the name for our group of friends, which is now ballooned to like, I don't know, 15 dudes. Yeah. So, I don't have an exact count. No more digressions, Mike. Um, my bad. It's your time. <laughs> but uh, I decided the first night of filming would be for Max's surprise birthday party in Detroit. That's right. And how excited were you when you found out that surprise party was in Detroit? <laughs> well, I just got home from tour, and I was like three hour, four hours down the 401. It was like a snowstorm. But uh, <laughs> he was like, yeah, Detroit. <laughs> but I was, uh, the surprise was very sweet, and there was uh, six of us in a, in a van rolling down there. And when I got to the hotel, there was eight more of them. So it was a great, great night. So everything was going fine with the documentary until we got to the bar. And I realized that for some reason the Champagne Boys don't like being filmed when they're they're drinking i guess they thought i was like spying on them and like making a fool of them because i'm being sober for the duration of my wife's pregnancy (laughs) i thought they would get more of an awe (laughs) (laughs) but so i'll let you see the footage of when mike spotted me filming him with the cobra hdk i have not seen this I'm trying to have a fun time. That's not cool. (laughs) (laughs) So so I had to stop filming for the rest of the night uh, because, you know, I didn't want to be in trouble. So so the next big event the Champagne Boys were going out on was called the 12 Pubs of Christmas. And this is a pub crawl we do with the guys. It's an annual event. And I warned everyone, I said, listen, I'm bringing out the Cobra cam. (laughs) But don't worry, I'm only filming for 10 seconds at each bar. And I'm only going to film the nut. And the plan, the idea was... (laughs) The the idea was, I'm going to film him gradually devolving at each bar. And it's going (laughs) to... And it's going to be a funny little edit. And it's just an innocent thing. So the nut, when he was sober, he was totally cool with this idea. But as the night wore on, he got a bit contentious with me. And all of a sudden, he wanted to have an impromptu rap battle. (laughs) (laughs) And I did not. But he insisted and dragged everyone to a house party and forced everyone to play instruments for the rap beat. (laughs) 
And when I refused, so I just said, hey, I'm going to film him. And uh, he didn't like that and got very upset. And here's what happened. The nut throws drumsticks at Shane. The nut slaps Shane. Fuck you, nut! It's assault, brother. So yeah, so that's what the nut is really like off air, in case you were wondering. (laughs) (laughs) He's so nice. Um, So I decided to stop filming the Champagne Boys for for the documentary. And your health. Yeah, and my health, my physical well-being. But luckily, Alex has a very well-off, rich aunt. (laughs) People know what well-off means. (laughs) (laughs) And she bought a cruise for uh, Alex's entire family. And I'm married to Alex, so I guess I'm like snuck in and I'm included in that. (laughs) Uh, And here's the picture of the entire family. So that's Uh... all of us. I'm the ugliest one in that picture. If you can't tell who's not related to Alex, by blood. <laughs> I like the hands over the belly. So that's everyone uh, who went on the, the cruise. And I thought this could be an awesome documentary subject. Although I would never go on a cruise normally, I'd always wondered what it would be like. So I decided to do a documentary on the inner workings of a cruise ship and the people <laughs> on the cruise. <laughs> And I thought everyone is on vacation. They're all tourists. They'll all be filming anyway, right? Like, what's the worst that could go wrong? It's a super cut of the staff slapping you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've realized people fucking hate the HD Cobra camera. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) So the first couple days of the cruise went fine. I even got a tour of the inside of the the kitchen. Trust me, it was cooler than I'm making it sound. <laughs> and there is like a little prison on the cruise ship. It's like cra- so a brig? I- What's that? It's called a brig. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've been in one? I had some uh, <laughs> hey, cruise man, ship prison. You know I don't story. like to be filmed, bro. <laughs> so everything was going fine until, and I, I guess I'm going to talk about Alex's uh, father and my father-in-law, John. Now, he is a, a very outgoing guy. He's literally the type of guy who will start a conga line. Like, <laughs> and I have footage of him trying to start that. Actually. <laughs> conga line will work. It's like the Lucas Challenge. It just takes a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is John. There he is. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like the exact opposite of me, pretty much. Um, he's kind of the life of the party, and he gets talking to everyone on the cruise ship. And he, he's kind of braggadocious. He's very proud of his daughter. And uh, by extension, he's proud of his son-in-law. So he got talking to some people on the cruise ship, 
and I'll let him tell you what he was telling them. Uh, John, take the mic. Okay, uh, first of all... <laughs> yeah! Hey, guys. You know what? I, I was so, so excited uh, that I found out I was going to be part of the dessert. But <laughs> now I'm a little bit bummed out because I thought the nut was going to be hosting it. <laughs> that, that's an inside joke for those of you uh, that know the dessert. And by the way, uh, my, my wife, or sorry, my, my daughter who is pregnant, and, uh, you know, Shane's mentioned that a few times. I just want to give a shout-out to Father McMurchie from 19 years ago in grade 7. <laughs> he said she would be voted most likely to conceive. <laughs> so, a prestigious Father award. Father McMurchie, this one's for you. Anyway, um, so, John, you were just going to tell them. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it's true. Uh, on, on this cruise ship... You know, I, I told everybody that, you know, I'm, hey, this is my daughter. She's married to Shane. Shane's this big, you know, producer, director. He's, he's got something on Netflix that's won awards. He's uh, done Arkell's videos and all the rest of that. And I was very proud. And I let a few people know on the cruise ship that they might be recorded. <laughs> and that's it. So <laughs> a rumor spreads around the cruise ship. <laughs> That I'm filming a Netflix documentary. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought this was pretty hilarious at first. I enjoyed it, and it gave me more access to the cruisies who were on the ship for, like, interviews and stuff. (laughs) But then, one day in the hot tub, this very... This woman... (laughs) I love the start of that sentence. This... (laughs) This woman who was very excited to be with, like, kind of, like, the celebrity on the boat was the celebrity director. She was telling me that I have to check out the nightlife on the boat, which I was planning on doing anyway. But I asked her why, and she said, because there's this very interesting couple that needs to be documented. I said, oh, tell me more. She goes, it's a very old man. He's in his 70s, and he's with a much younger woman in her 40s. And so he's kind of like, I guess, the sugar daddy, and she's like the arm candy or whatever. (laughs) But I'm like, oh, uh, what do they do? She says, for the last three nights, they go to the jazz club, which is in the bottom of the boat, and the woman will storm the stage and start dancing like a crazy person (laughs) until she either falls or security drags her away. (laughs) So I'm like, this is amazing. I have to get this on the Cobra cam, obviously. So I told Alex's cousin about this. I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. And her cousin said, don't worry. I've already got footage of it. (laughs) And I'll show you footage of it here. A video is shown of a woman dancing. (laughs) And then falling. There it is. So I said... This footage is amazing, but it's not filmed on the Cobra (laughs) HD Adventure Cam. So I need to get it myself. So, sure enough, we show up at the jazz club. The pretty easy couple to spot. It was the older man and the woman. And I could tell she was getting ready to storm the stage. (laughs) So I started filming the band, pretending I, like, gave a shit about the jazz band, right? The BB King. They're called the BB King (laughs) All-Stars. Then the woman storms the stage. She starts rocking out even better than before. 
and she's twirling, going crazy, and then she falls even better, right on her ass, and kind of like hits her head. But she was <laughs> she wasn't like hurt or anything, but it was just like in a perfect funny way. And then I'm like, I'm like, wow, we we did it. This is amazing. I have the footage. So I put my camera down and I go to the bar and I grab two mocktails because Alex and I aren't drinking. So I'm just celebrating with a, a mocktail pina colada. Uh-huh. And then uh, we we finish the drinks. We go back to the room. I go to plug in my HD Cobra Adventure Cam, but I cannot find it. It's nowhere in sight. I'm like, oh, shit. I probably I just left it on the table. I'll run back and get it. Go back to the bar, look everywhere. It's nowhere in sight. I ask people, no one's seen it. I come back to the room. And then Alex has a theory that the woman's sugar daddy saw that I was filming for my Netflix doc and has (laughs) stolen the camera. (laughs) So I like that theory. (laughs) I think that's funny. That would be amazing if that was true. But I'm like, in all likelihood, it's just in the lost and found. And in the next morning, I'm going to retrieve it. Next morning comes, check the lost and found. It's not there. So I come to Alex and I'm like, you might be right. He might have taken it. And luckily on this day, it's New Year's Eve. And I know for a fact that on New Year's Eve, the BB King All-Stars perform (laughs) on deck. (laughs) So I know that this woman is going to be there and I'm going to have an opportunity to confront the husband and just figure out if he's taken it. So I'm kind of uh, biding my time all day, just waiting for nightfall. (laughs) (laughs) Name your first novel. Yeah. (laughs) And I get into, uh, you know, I don't really ever get dressed up, but I put on a Hawaiian shirt (laughs) (laughs) and slacks, but it's my big New Year's Eve outfit. And Alex puts on her outfit, which is this ridiculous maternity wear, like covered in like diamonds or something. I'll, I'll show you that. A picture of Alex so, in a sparkly dress is shown. So, so that's what Alex wears, and I look like a total schlub next to her. So she walks out uh, to the party when it's time, and she's walking a little bit ahead of me, and there's these two crew members, because I guess the crew members are allowed to party on New Year's Eve with us. And immediately, uh, these, these men in the sea outfits... <laughs> these seamen, if you will. <laughs> they approach Alex and they ask her a question. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to lay back and see how this plays out. <laughs> and Alex, what did they ask you? They said, would you like to come to a private p- party in the captain's quarters? <laughs> so I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, let's see how she reacts to this. And what did you say? No, I can't. I'm married. And then what did he say? So, would you like to come to a private party in the cabinet's <laughs> And I'm listening to this, by the way. And then what did you say? I'm actually five months pregnant. <laughs> and then what did he say? So, is it a yes or a no? <laughs> <laughs> so, I immediately, like, I'm shocked about how brazen this guy is. Like, he, he should be fired for doing that. So, I rush over and I start kissing Alex's tummy. And I'm like, how's my baby in there? And then... <laughs> And then, although I'm sober, I'm trying to act like I'm a fun guy. So I start, I'm like, let's dance, baby. And I'm like, I'm like grooving and kind of acting like I'm the life of the party. It's like, I'm a young John all of a sudden. <laughs> and everyone's like, well, this guy is like, I know how John feels all the time now. 
So I'll show you a clip of me uh, being the life of the party, kind of. A video of Shane with an inflatable champagne bottle being masturbated into his mouth is shown. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so just to explain what I'm doing, I'm grabbing a, a giant champagne bottle, and that's kind of like acting as a penis, and it's like, <laughs> it's like ejaculates like coming in my mouth. So, uh, it's like champagne jacket. But <laughs> so people are starting to think that I'm drunk but then i i spot the old guy and this was sh footage shot on an uh, iphone but i just want to show you what the old guy looks like All so right. the camera pans around a packed crew deck until it stops so on a freeze frame the of the sugar daddy there he is <laughs> <laughs> so i spot him and i'm like okay i'm just gonna walk up and i go up and i say sir excuse me did you happen to find a uh, camera the other night at the jazz club he goes what did it look like? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, how many, how many cameras is this guy finding on a nightly basis? He drops his bag and 10 cameras prattle out. So I'm like, it's, you know, it's, it's very small. It's his HD. It's Cobra cam. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I think I did find it. <laughs> I think. And he doesn't say anything else. I'm like, oh, uh, could I please have it back? And he goes, that depends. And I said, depends on what? And he says, your cooperation. <laughs> so I'm thinking, maybe you just keep the camera, right? Like, like, I don't know what he's going to do. But he's like, step aside, uh, and I just want to have a quick conversation with you. And I'm really freaked out at this old man. I have no clue what he's going to do. And we, we get to the side, and he explains to me that he knows what I'm doing, and he doesn't like it. And he wants me to delete the footage of his wife, and he wants no part of my documentary. So I explained to him that I'm not actually filming a Netflix documentary. I don't know how that rumor got started. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not true, and I'll gladly delete the footage. He says, no, show me how to delete the footage, and then I'll give it back to you. So I say, sir, like... The Cobra Cam's fairly complicated. Like, <laughs> it would even take me a while to figure it out. Like, I bought this new SD card. I have a lot of footage on it. I'm going to have to go through a lot of clips, play it, and then it's going to be hard to determine what's even the clip of your wife. And then it's, gonna, it's just going to be a process. So please let me do it. And he says, no way. So now I'm really fucking pissed at this man. <laughs> so I pretend I'm tough for a second because he doesn't know me. <laughs> So I say, sir, give me the fucking camera. Because I know, it's not nice to say. Ooh, but I, I got a shiver there, man. <laughs> and then he goes, fine. And he goes to pop out the SD card. How he knew how to do this, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and he hands me the camera. So I grab the camera with one hand and grab the arm that's grabbing, holding onto the SD card with the other camera. <laughs> but he starts playing the old man card. And he starts going, little help, little help. <laughs> But, but nobody does anything. No, everyone kind of ignores him. <laughs> but then he goes, help, help. And then all of a sudden the seamen rush over. <laughs> and they grab me from each arm and pull me away. And the old guy kind of gives me like a weird little middle finger. <laughs> and he goes to flick the camera, the, the SD card off the side of the boat. But he slips and it's like hard as his hands couldn't get a good hold of it. And it drops. So I break free from the, the semen, dude, <laughs> and I run after it, and I see the general direction, and I got, like, a good hold of it, and I pick it up. And then the old guy goes, 
stop him, stop him. And the seamen are like, what is going on right now? (laughs) And then he yells, that man filmed my wife without her permission. And I'm, I don't know what to do. So I'm like, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to delete it. And people are kind of looking around. So with the seaman there, he's comfortable to let me actually operate the Cobra cam. So I find the clip like fairly quickly within five minutes. I delete, I, I delete the footage of the woman. And then we kind I know. But I shake the guy's hand. And then he gives me like a little hug. He's like, I'm sure you understand if someone was filming your wife and doing this, I'm sure you would do the same thing. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But in my mind, I'm like, I fucking hate you, you old weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> like that was a very embarrassing, weird thing. Totally unnecessary. So we start walking back to the BB King All-Stars. <laughs> but, and I see his wife is gearing up to get on stage. <laughs> So I'm like, you know what? I bet she's going to rush the stage. I bet the thing's going to happen. And I know this man's after me, and I can defend myself. So I'm just going to say, fuck it, and film it. (laughs) So I take a couple of steps back, and it's pretty brazen because he's right in front of me. And here's the footage of what happened. Keep in mind, it's filmed on a Cobra cam, so it's very hard to see. A video is shown of a woman dancing. (laughs) So I'm kind of hiding at first. Okay, there he is. And then falling. So that's security going to pick her up, but it's hard to see, but she did fall and she fell in the best way possible. So the second she falls, he whips his head around to see if I am filming. (laughs) And it's this kind of weird moment where it's like we both freeze and he goes, you son of a bitch. (laughs) So then I go to like, I go to like deke right and then I... I deke left, and I run to my room as fast as I can. And I hid in that room for the rest of the trip. <laughs> How was the rest of the trip? But the rest of the trip was, there was five more days left in the trip. So it was, <laughs> it was really awkward. But anyway, that's, that's the dessert PowerPoint. Man. Yeah! Thank you. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming out. The first step from Michael Mosla. Give it up for Shane, for Virgil, for Julian. Thank you, Webmaster Dan. Thank you, Greg Stewart. Thank you, everyone that came out. Ashley, Thank you, Just Back There, selling merch. Jen selling merch. Thank you to Lupus Canada. I sang for Lupus. We raised over $5,000 tonight. Thank you to all of you for doing that. Thank you so much for listening to us. Max, you have one last thing to say? We're going to keep partying here all night long, so no, no one leave, okay? Let's have some drinks. We will see you next week if we don't die on the weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.